um, we're seeing this movement in Māori leading the non-lineal movement, uh, as well as other Indigenous cultures globally as well. Kia ora mai tato. welcome back to another episode of the Māori in Engineering podcast. Thank you so much for listening. As always, I am your host, Elise Lassett, and this episode I was stoked to chat with Dr. Sina Cotter-Tate and Ali Archer. They are both absolute trailblazers, to say the least, within the governance space here in Aotearoa. Ali comes from a geospatial technology background and Sina a civil engineering background, and they've both pursued postgraduate studies. What's really unique and amazing, I think, about this episode is you can really tell the amazing relationship that Ali and Sina have as friends, as well as biggest supporters within the space. This corridor was had out at Ali's beautiful fuddy, and there are lots of laughs that you hear along the way, as well as really insightful corridor. These beautiful people embody what it means to live their why, embody kotahitanga, and collective success and collective leadership in everything that they do. Don't worry, we'll go into what those words actually mean throughout the episode. They are absolutely amazing humans. I love talking to them and I really, really hope you guys enjoy listening to them as well. I hope you enjoy Te Fano, Namahi Kia Koto. Koeno, mienu ai tato, hi honore, hi korore, ki te atua, hi maungoronga, ki te whenua, hi whakaro pai ki nga tangata katoa, hanga i te atua, hi nga koho, ki roto ki tēnau, ki tēn o mātou, whakatongi a te wairua tapu, hi awhina, hi tohuto i a mātou, hi aka hoki a nga mahi mō tēnei rā. Āmene. Amene. Hena koroa. Thank you very much for joining me on Te Māori and Engineering podcast, Sina and Ali. It's awesome to have you here. How are you both doing? Oh, tēnā ra koutou. You're going to start off with the Google choices. Uh, tēnā ra koutou katoa. Um, uh, pretty choice, thank you. I'll do. I'll just um, have a kōrero in regards to, to where, where I'm from. So, ko Mongero te maunga, ko Ōhini Muri, rawa ko Waihau te awa, ko Tānui te waka, ko te pai o Hauraki te marae, ko Ngāti Tamatera, rawa ko Ngāti Raukawa te iwi, i te taha o tōku pāpa ko Douglas Kākere Paraku, ko te te kura rāpana Paraku tōku tīpuna, kia ora ko Eliach Takunoa. Tēnā koe i hoa. Kia ora. Sina. Sorry. This is my first time interviewing two people at once. Very exciting. Um, so yeah, as we've got Sina and Ali here. And it's just going to be fun, I think. There's going to be a few teething issues from my part of interviewing two people at once. And there'll be okay. maybe a one person speaks and then one person will speak. And then sometimes maybe no one will speak and then we'll jump into that space. But appreciate your um yeah appreciate you both being here as well um and coming on this journey with me of him is how i know we develop this conversation what we're going to speak about further as well mm. cool so Sina, would you be able to tell us a bit about a bit about you kia ora i'm just reading mine because i haven't done it for so long <clears throat> but yeah anyway uh kia ora everyone uh kōrō pehu te maunge e runei taku nāko. Uh, ko Opawaho te awe me mahia nei aku, uh, maharahara. Uh, no hamoa, airehi, o kutipuna, e noho ana au ki o tautahi. Um, ko tēnei taku mihi ki ngā tangata whenua o te rohe nei. Uh, kai mihi hoki au ki ngā tohu o te rohe nei. Ko Nasiri, uh, Koratei, tōku whānau, uh, ko Sina, tōku ingoa. Ulo ingoa, o Sina. Um, that's uh, Samoan, which is my heritage on my mother's side, um, for my name is Sina. And thank you, Elise, for inviting us on your podcast. It's, uh, uh, it's a real privilege to be invited on such a, um, on such a cool, cool topic. Mm. So thank you very much for being part of, you know, the opportunity to be part of it. Oh, of course, yeah. Um, and... So for people who are listening who may not be familiar with the mahi that you both do, would you be able to give a bit of insight to what that is today? Yeah, um, so it's a bit of, a bit of I think both of us uh, work in multiple spaces um, with um, a few hats um, in, those, in those spaces. Uh, I'm predominantly um, sitting on a, a number of boards mm. um, at the moment. 
This is um, within varying sectors, economic development, um, infrastructure, actually I've just stepped down from that infrastructure role to make room for other, other things, mm-hmm. um, uh, in water, um, local council and, and a few other spaces. Uh, I also have my consultancy which I've picked up a few contracts in. I come from a geospatial technology background, which mm-hmm. we're going to loop into some of this corridor, especially in regards to STEM or STEAM, mm-hmm. um, which I'm, I'm looking forward to having that discussion. Um, doing a bit of guest lecturing at the University of Canterbury as well in, in progressive governance, uh, smart governance, and um, getting very much involved with um, uh, the learning cities and education um, space and also leading the um, digital equity uh, region, regional digital equity project for Wataha, which is um, which is a big, uh, which is a which is a new hat for me, and I'm mm-hmm. looking forward to the challenge. So, um, and on top of all of that, um, I'm a daughter, I'm a friend, <laughs> I'm a wife. Um, I'm just a person who comes from a space of um, kotahitanga, so mm. my why is to unify. I come from a space of service mm. um, and servanthood mm. um, for the communities that we serve, uh, and um, and I'm very proud to be um, tangata whenua, and mm. I'm very proud to um, very proud to be Maori mm. um, in Short. in all in in this hikoi mm. that we call life. Mm. Yeah, so that's a little bit about me. Beautiful. The kind of, yeah, your kaupapa of why you do what you do of kotahitanga mm. is really evident in what, yeah, the things that you've just listed off as well. And I look up to that a lot, so I really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, how long have you kind of been in this governance space and how have you used your background like of the geospatial um, space with that? That's a big question. I would say that um, I got into governance learning early on in my um, C-suite career or my executive career mm-hmm. um, in geospatial technology. Um, the reason why I moved into governance was because it was naturally, I would always naturally elevate Zoom out mm-hmm. and look at the larger uh, picture. From a geospatial technology thought process, in that career I studied a lot of the founding sciences, what's known as the hard sciences these days, so everything from eddy current to radar, um, to electromagnetics, thermal imaging, um, all all these sorts of different sciences. Mm. And it became apparent to me studying those sciences how they were connected, how they were natural to the natural world as opposed to the way I think science perhaps might be perceived Mm -hmm. uh, in schools and how is that how what is it that became apparent to you that they were natural because all of those sciences are already there Mm. they're they're part of the natural world the push-pull of planets the magnetism um, how coils react in gravity those sorts of things Mm. Those are all natural. Um, the way science is mm. and what we do is we grab technology and we add functionality to technology and build upon the sciences. So we capture the science, we capture the natural world in the technologies and because the sciences uh, connect, obviously that led us through into evolving our thought process into integrated technology, mm. which is currently where we're at now. That also moved me into a place called... Um, smart cities Mm. which is now being elevated into um, smart communities Mm -hmm. Uh, so the reason why governance came along was because there was not many people back then even today who had a technology and a science lens so stem lens um, around the boardroom tables Mm. And a lot of the people I was coming across in leadership in those spaces didn't quite understand what I was talking about. So I thought, well, I need to go through a learning journey, studied with the IOD, much like Sina, she'll tell you her story (laughs) soon. Um, Studied with the IOD, went and did all the courses, the CDC, all of those things, and then just started practicing. And so 
that governance for me, the journey of governance started back in 2009. Uh, and I would say that I've been a uh, professional director for nowhere near that, only really the last couple of years. And then even mm. then, the how we view that, uh, being a professional director, mm. is quite important. There's a number of aspects and learning and experience to get to that space. Anyway, now I find myself sitting around those tables, having those discussions, being part of the discussion, and talking about um, digital transformation, uh, exponential growth in technology, digital equity, mm -hmm. all of those sorts of space, uh, all, all of those sorts of discussions. And it's been an amazing journey, but I'm sure we're going to delve into it a little <laughs> bit more then. But it's, it's a bit of a long journey, but I think what I'm trying to get across is that through my journey in geospatial technology, learning the sciences, understanding their, um, that they are natural to our world, that sciences are natural, how we utilize technology to capture them, put functionality in them to give us these data sets, mm. aid us in determining in an informed way what our forward movement is. Mm. Um, and that lends itself to a futurist type of thinking mm. as long as we're strategic in it mm. and that's where I find an, another part another value addition that I add is a strategy around the boardroom table yep. yeah definitely just going to leave that there <laughs> mm. cool <laughs> <laughs> what is that like there's a word for that like passing it on bouncing it off yeah yeah over the scene over the scene go on nah, yeah it's awesome. <laughs> yeah so it's I don't know. Where do we go from there? Where do we go from there? Um, so, yeah. The mahi that you do at the moment. Sure. Um, and how all that came to be. It's not as cool as Ellie's sounds. That's oh, for damn sure. <laughs> so, um, but like you, Elise, I'm a professional engineer um, by trade. So I did my BE at Canterbury um, <clears throat> about 20, 20 something years ago, longer ago than I care to say. <laughs> it was, I think it was 21 years ago. Um, in civil engineering and I got into that because of my interest in water so um, I'm New Zealand born but I spent the first part of my life growing up in Port Moresby part, part of New Guinea and there's not much water there and so I became acutely aware of thirst from an early age and also you know um, you know natural water bodies and swimming and, and all that kind of stuff and I guess that's kind of where my aptitude for science and math sort of naturally found an, an area of interest because I did that thing that everyone does, gets to the end of school and it's like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Everyone's like, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? And I'm like, I don't know, I don't know, but I can do the science -y stuff, kind of okay. Mm. Don't get me wrong, I, w I wasn't ducks in my school or anything. Hell no. But, um, you know, it looked like, well, I can do this stuff and it looks like engineering might be a good degree. So I went and did that. Um, and over the years, over the past sort of 20 years, I've also branched out into, I guess, uh, education so it was guest lecturing on the Master of Engineering Management program mm. for a while did an MBA through UC as well um, and recently just finished a PhD um, I know Yay. it's so good to be finished <laughs> she's so amazing and a little bit like Ali found a path into um, in, in, into boardrooms uh, I guess because that that's the space where my natural you know much like Ali my natural tendency towards big picture thinking and you know looking at this problem over here and seeing that it relates to that problem over there mm. and also wanting to have the influence and the control to do something about that um i kind of found found myself gravitating towards that level of um, the organizations so nowadays um i do a little bit of consulting but only for a couple of clients um very much around people who are uh, like local government or community organisations that are actually making you know a positive impact for people, not just working to make rich guys richer, yeah. um, and do uh, a lot of governance work as well. So uh, serve on a number of boards, really centred around infrastructure and community impact. Mm. Awesome, awesome. So again, yeah, utilising <coughs> and harnessing the um, your undergrade or and postgrade as well within mm. governance spaces. And how has that? Um, helped you how have you kind of used that mindset of having an engineering undergrad background within the governance spaces today i think it's um a really useful skill to have to have any kind of understanding of technology um you, you know like ali does um or or the kind of the 
critical analysis and that kind of rigorous thinking, that mm. discipline of thinking that you, you learn when you go through an engineering degree, that's a really useful skill to take to any space, particularly in the boardroom where you're having to evaluate and assess stuff. Um, and from an awareness point of view, where's our world going? It's going towards tech. You know, who are the people who are going to solve climate change? It's scientists and engineers and technologists. Mm. Um, and so I really think that if you've got a good understanding of that stuff, like a really grounded understanding based on experience, not just read a few articles on it, mm. um, then you bring a lot of value to, you know, the spaces where people are actually making decisions like are we going to invest in... Mm you know, in carbon zero fleets? Are mm. we going to invest in solar panels? Are we going to, you know, support mm. this kind of work mm. in organisations? Mm. So, yeah, I think it's really, from a technical point of view, those skills are really useful to have. But the other big thing that's coming through, of course, is cultural competence. Absolutely. Um, you know, not just in, in terms of um, ethnicity uh, and cultural context, but also the gender thing, you know. Mm. Our society is changing, social values are changing. And that's where I think people... Uh, like us can potentially add a new dimension to the discussion that wasn't there before. Absolutely. So that sort of space that you guys are entering, very, um, I've always been, yeah, learned that it's very cookie-cutter white men going into these spaces. How have you found going into these spaces as wahine, as Pacifica, as Māori, as that kind of, in that space of intersectionality? Hmm. I found it, Interesting. <laughs> and we're yeah, in the, no <laughs> Super interesting. No, look, it's been. Um, I'm. I'm not gonna. When. When I started to move in those spaces, but I also found this in the geospatial technology world anyway. That's mm. right. There were hardly any people that looked like us in that space, uh, especially um, in the early two thousands. All the way, there was. There was. I would say I could count them on two fingers, actually. Uh, especially going around the world, mm. uh, not mm. just being Māori or an Indigenous person, but also being a woman. There was mm. hardly any women in those spaces, uh, especially in geospatial tech. What What was the original question? <laughs> How have what you found it? Um, I suppose, what are the things that have... Um, oh, like yeah. walking into those spaces, look... It definitely, I, I don't like using the terms pay mail and stale anymore. Mm-hmm. We've evolved past this now. We mm. need to move past it. There are some amazing mm. um, older white fellas who have been amazing mentors for me mm. and who have also opened doors mm. for me. Uh, same for Sino. Her and I's story is similar in this space especially. So, you know, there, we can, there are benefits from certain people. You know, and I think we need mm. to we need to recognise that and understand mm. that. However, the space itself is it changing? Yes. Is it changing slowly? Yes. Is the thought process between uh, diversity of person and diversity thought still? Uh, are we still going through a learning in the governance space in that area? Absolutely. The other thing is when you bring in uh, people like myself and senior, you're already also going to bring in progressive thinking in the way that we uh, hold conversations the way that we're discussing issues around the table and the time that it may take to look at some of the, the rather la- rather large issues that we've got to uh, be a part of in those discussions mm-hmm. and I think now I find myself in amazing spaces around around tables that still need work when it comes to the people around them and the perspectives Mm. that are sitting around those tables. Also, the knowledge of te ao Māori principles um, and omnicultural principles and practices Mm. within governance is definitely not there. We are still dealing predominantly in a Western eye structure and a westernized system when it comes to governance, which is the currently the dominant contemporary model in, in that space. Is it changing and are we part of the change? Absolutely. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Not only are we reaching behind us, um, but we're also, it's more than that. We are definitely, our voices in regards to collective leadership, um, 
cultural capability, mm. those voices, uh, and and how we're learning to navigate them through this as well. Because not only are we moving in those spaces, and we're learning to navigate in the Western world, we're also going through decolonization ourselves. We're, we're also learning how to navigate ourselves within our cultures. That is something that um, many people do not understand. That's hard enough by itself. Mm. <laughs> mm. Um, and then having to, to sit around those tables and, and you're, um, you've got measures that you need to achieve. You're aiding in discussions that are having an impact on multiple communities. This is some big stuff. Mm. So mm. having the right people beside you understand all of that, mm. like Sina, for me, is absolutely vital because she's one of the only people that gets all of that. <laughs> that gets all of that um, as opposed to just we're going to go and do some mm. director stuff and have these... Um, high-level conversations. Um, it's, mm-hmm. There's many things that we've got to juggle. So I know that was... Uh, I've answered your question and then some, but it, it, it <laughs> no, led me it. there and I just followed. I just went on the hikoi, man. So you Overachieving know. as usual. Oh, <laughs> calm down, calm down. What about you, C? What do you reckon about that? Yeah, it's a really... Uh, I guess like Ellie, because I've come up through that space of being in uh, industry... Um, that is, you know, certainly, in which I am a minority, we're a member of a minority group. Um, so that just feels familiar. Mm. The, the boardroom is very similar, possibly even more so, I think, um, governors. Maybe there's more w- women now than there used to be, but yeah. Um, yeah. still very much in the minority. So yeah. I guess for me, it's a feeling of familiarity in some ways. Um, like Ali, I've been um, uh, incredibly fortunate to have some really sound mentors who happen to fall into... Um, the male and white category and I guess what it's taught taught me we talk about this all the time eh? yep. it's taught me that it's about people mm. it's actually we're all people and being truly inclusive means just seeing the person um, and sort of trying to put aside all of the differences and look for the things that we have in common and yeah it's been a I know it's, it's been a lesson of grace as mm. well oh yeah um, but yeah they are I think it's taken a while for me to reconcile the fact that in some spaces I am there because I am female and I am also brown Um, and that's okay like I I used to get quite um, principled about it I wouldn't want to be the token right yeah but on the other hand (laughs) if I'm not there and there's no one there who's female or brown well is that a better outcome I'm not sure um, and in many cases, it, it, you know, like Ali and I, we're not just brown and female. We actually bring a whole lot of stuff. A whole bunch of stuff. As well. Yeah, yeah. So um, that's given me some comfort too. Mm. But they are, um, I mean, if you want to be part of the change, right, and if you believe like I do that actually change comes from the top, grassroots change is cool, but man, it's hard mahi. Mm. And the space where I serve best is uh, behind the scenes and in a boardroom and a group where you can make decisions through influence and consensus, mm. that's probably a good fit for my particular skill mm. set and my particular set of values. Mm. Yeah. yeah, same here. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. A few words that I'd love to unpack. Um, <laughs> omniculture. Mm. Omnicultural government. Where did governance. that come from? That's such an amazing <laughs> word. Okay, so precursor, just letting you know. We're talking, I, I talk about ambicultural governance, and Sina has just like enhanced the corridor by omnicultural. <laughs> so basically what that means is, is that it's, a, it's an understanding that there are many different cultures around the table, mm. um, and how do, how do we, um, number one is being aware of them, understanding and, and having that mutual understanding of said cultures. Then, of course taking the best bits from them mm. and smushing them together mm. and I it. think yeah. and I think there are so many amazing things in, in all of our cultures there's um, and then sometimes in some of our cultures we tend to romanticize I think some aspects as well mm. true that. and and I, I, I believe in just being honest with um, the romanticizing of those things and the and then also looking around and and pulling those things together that's true connection mm. and that's true collectivism is the recognition of that so omnicultural is just the the universal pulling in of all the amazing benefits from different cultures mm. 
um, and then uh, utilizing them to make the best decision um, around the boardroom table or just leadership tables in general making the best informed decisions and mm. with the understanding of each of those cultures and I think it's it's exciting especially uh, as I'm one of the papers that I did was on 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 this and this was in with the my whanau which is the Maori and indigenous whanau research whanau and this was around ambicultural governance and how we pull in the te ao mai o mataranga Māori uh, principles into our practice in, uh, around the boardroom table. Mm. And what does that intersection with the Western culture looks like, uh, look, uh, look like? And I think it came down to the fact that one culture was willing to learn a little bit more about the others and the other one was not. And that is part of the cultural uh, competency and cultural work that we've got to do at the boardroom level mm. is that, you know, how how do we open the door to people going, you know what, I do want to learn about that. I don't know what I don't know. So how do we open that? And I think this mm. comes down to a lot of amazing engagement strategies that I see in some of our, uh, for me, some of our Māori leaders in, in New Zealand. Um, some of them you've, you've already interviewed, actually. Mm. Uh, but they are doing amazing things, and I'm learning so much from them. Hi. Total cool. And then so with that, kind of going actually right back a little bit. So... How did you guys meet? What is the relationship that you guys have? Mm. Do we always know each other? I feel like no, we, we always know each other. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I remember going. Um, this is years ago. I remember going to an institute of directors event <laughs> at the Canterbury Club. I looked across the room, and there was like you know that Sesame Street thing. Like some of these things belong <laughs> not together. Like the other. One of these things is not like the others. And I was like, oh, we're gonna be friends. <laughs> and I think that was it. It was that first. It was the first couple of minutes. We were like, mm. "Oh, mm. you're you're awesome, great, <laughs> <laughs> done." I suppose. What is the power of having each oh. other within the governance space? Mm. It's a lonely space mm-hmm. sometimes. Yeah, um, and not just because of the identity thing, but also for lots of other reasons. Eh? Yeah, like some of the decisions that you have to make and some of the um, dynamics that you have to negotiate. <clears throat> Um, can, and you know being a junior as well like I'm quite junior still learning um, you know you, you have that imposter syndrome that never seems to really go away and just having somebody who you can trust A to talk about the stuff with um, and B know that they'll understand and support you mm. is invaluable like it's I don't know because I mean we've both got husbands and they're wonderful um, but actually understanding what it's actually like to be in that room in yeah. those situations, that, that's a rare thing. Mm. So. And there's situations that we've experienced um, apart and we've discussed, mm. and then there's situations we've experienced in the same rooms together, which, <laughs> which oh, we could tell you some stories. But knowing that through challenging times, and even non-challenging, it's just all the time. So we ring each other, um, I think, quite a lot or quite a lot <laughs> either one of us going through a challenge and we need that sounding board we need that total from a sister mm. we we have that who understands all of the um, facets facets and intricacies of our of our walk through governance mm. leadership uh, because we also both come from similar kaupapa uh, my wife, she unifies called Tahitanga, seen as the name of her company as Collective Success. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we're about the collective. Uh, we're about women as well and the empowerment of women. Uh, we're about many things. Um, but having that person that you can just call and who, you know they're not going to tell you the thing that you want to hear. Mm. They're going to be straight up. They're going to, number one, support you. Mm. And number two, either advise or help you through, but ultimately knowing that you're the one that's going to find the answer. The totoko is absolutely imperative. Absolutely imperative. The other thing is there are women, mm. amazing women, but women um, who are not as supportive. And why we have to fight amongst ourselves is something that is weird to mm. me, I I have never understood that. 
uh, I'm a firm believer in sisterhood, very much so. So I, I absolutely find Cena's um, friendship and guidance and support invaluable. Mm. Same here. I remember going to this. Um, one of my kids had a had a special ceremony just for Pacifica students. We went along, and the speaker was Chris Farfoy, um before he was an MP. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget him saying um, uh, that we were there to celebrate everybody's success. And he said, "You know, look, if, if you succeed, we all we succeed." All succeed. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, "Man, I wish I'd heard that when I was fifteen at school, because the message I'd heard up to that point was very much about individual success, mm-hmm. you know, in competition." Yep. And excellence through competition but when you st- stand back and have a look at it actually when you do well we all do well because mm. look at your podcast right and look <laughs> oh, at us doing yeah. it for everyone else yep. when Ellie's out there like being like the face of UC's oh. business program oh yeah <laughs> like we're all doing well because my kids are inspired my nieces yeah. are inspired like all, all ripple effect eh? totally yeah. and and it's to all of our benefit and so I, I think just to really you know follow on from what you're saying that's kind of the values I think that, that we bring to it and why I know we look to support other people Aye. rather than making it all about I know us because that's not really a comfortable space anyway also from a cultural point of view that's at odds with Pacifica culture mm. you're not speaking for Maori culture but I expect it's very similar yeah. that concept of servant leadership yeah. and you do not put yourself forward Aye. Yeah. your community you know, Put we'll, you forward, we'll ask you forward, yep. mm. and then you will, you will serve. Mm. And so that idea of you know that's a challenging space in the governance world because, in engineering too, eh? Right. Because so often you have to put up your CV and mm. you know I'm amazing at this and I have won all these awards and actually, it feels kind of weird when you are sitting with your own identity and what you believe is mm. appropriate. It's not okay. natural to our culture to. Mm to bolster ourselves mm. and put ourselves forward you're absolutely right mm. and but yeah that's why these systems and, and um, HR processes in organizations need to change yeah and they can only change when there's people in the boardroom who are beginning to question some of those you know ways that we have accepted until now yeah, yeah exactly. absolutely why do we promote self-promoters yeah yeah it's chicken and the egg sort of mm. sort of thing as well mm. Sorry, I interrupted cool. you. No, yeah, I'm, I'm going to love it. Food in my oh, mouth and you, just... no, no, you, you talk. I'm going to keep eating. So just so you know, listeners, we, we're eating bean chips. Please, please explain bean chips. Okay, so a whole bunch of boar beans. Um, I just cut them up and they're just fresh and they're just little bean chips. So yeah, because yeah. mm. trying to suss out mm. my weight. Yeah. And then and then I'm about to also um, eat some donuts that Seabor. <laughs> Good at balance. Good at balance. Exactly. Totally. Yeah, all totally. about balance. <laughs> Beautiful. That was a great interlude. <laughs> um, in terms of yeah, opportunities to touch on it a little bit earlier in terms of um, Western science and Western ideas and that sort of space. Um, what do you both think are the opportunities to yeah, recast and redefine our understanding of STEM um, by weaving in cultural values and mātauranga Māori and mm. indigenous values um, with the traditional Western ideas of engineering mm. and science applications? Sorry, I need oh. a word count on that question. Yeah, <laughs> yeah who wrote that question? Yeah. I, I think that there is so many opportunities here. Um, one of the opportunities that we have, especially looking within uh, with my own whanau and what my own iwi is doing, is the fact that, you know, from a Western point of view, non-lineal uh, pathways have been pushed for many, many, many years. From a Māori learning point of view, non-lineal pathways have always been successful um, hmm. for the weaving in of, of different thought processes and when I see some of what our rangatahi and what our Māori businesses are doing in and around uh, digital transformation and technology especially in the STEM space mm. oh my gosh this is this is about the movement and non-lineal learning and non-lineal um, execution of STEM um, mm. businesses startups mm. um, <clears throat> and some of the marae programs that are going on at the moment which I'm proud to be a part of in the in our iwi space 
including the digital transformation space. So I think, you know, we, we always, we, we're taught a certain way. This is part of just the, the Western um, structure and system. We're taught a certain way. You do this, you leave school, you then go on this, and then you go to university and you learn that and you learn that and then you learn that. And, and I think this is something that we're seeing, especially with micro-credentials and all those sorts of things now being a massive part of education, especially in STEM, um, we're seeing this movement and Māori leading the non-lineal movement, uh, as well as other Indigenous cultures globally as well, mm. in the way that they're looking at learning um, and how they move from job to job, mm, business true. startup, that sort of thing. I find that freaking exciting. <laughs> the other, um, there's lots of opportunities here, I've got to say, from a STEM um, thing. The other thing is, um, we one of our projects that we've got with uh, Maoni uh, Nati Tamatera is the Digital Transformation Project, where we are, um, I mean, there's gamify stuff happening, but mm, where cool. we're capturing our, our waiata and our karakia and our wahi uh, tapu, um, our 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 taonga, uh, our, the stories of our, our iwi, and we're capturing them uh, digitally. And then out of this digital capture, their um, ideation is coming out of uh, some of the spaces around te ao Māori principles, like mm. manaki, around um, what true unity looks like past equitable periods, these sorts of things. And as, uh, as tangata whenua going through that and understanding our true history um, and then working with technology to move us into the future th this is freaking exciting mm -hmm. and this is all with the utilization and thought process of um, te ao Māori principle mm. so I, I can go big into this because I also belong to uh, Te Matauro, which is the Māori Tech Association okay. And so, and that's a new journey for us, but uh, with a massive focus, of course, on STEM, uh, non-linear pathways, startups, gamify stuff. Uh, you may have seen some of the amazing uh, games that have been created um, um, by Māori businesses. It's just amazing. I, I'm just realizing I'm rambling at the no, moment. No, I'm so, I'm so passionate about it because it's just wicked cool. Yeah. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm really, I feel really blessed and privileged to be a part of the Kopapa, and with also, um, it feels limitless. It feels right. It, yeah, it feels it. amazing. Yeah. Mm. It is an exciting time, eh? It really is an exciting time. Yeah. Um, I was thinking um, and reflecting on that question while Ellie was um, rambling, like <laughs> smashing it. Yeah. Smashing it. Smashing it. Um, and to me, there's, I mean, as an engineer, mm. you know, there's, there's um, opportunities around application when we think about engineering as applied science, right? What is the science that we're applying? Now, if you, you were to think about how we apply science and the kind of principles that, that we apply, um, I think there's opportunities to redefine those. Um, when we think about how we measure things as engineers, you know, how we measure a good outcome, how we define a good outcome, yeah. it's very much... At the moment, traditional, based in the physical world, we measure things like water quality and stuff. What if we overlaid that with cultural values? Totally. Mm. You, you know, who said that it had to be done this way? Yeah. Mm. I don't know. And why do we do we need to continue to accept that? Why can't we do what mm. people are talking about now and, you know, redefine some of those things to include, to have a more inclusive definition of what a good outcome is mm. for an engineering project? Because it shouldn't just be about whether the bridge can, you know, hold up, I don't know, can last for 50 years under a certain physical loading. It should be also about who built it mm. and who benefited from its construction. Um, what do we do with the environmental effects along the way? How do we mitigate, well, did we even measure, did we even think about the negative environmental outcomes and the impact on mm. the wairua of the, the river? Yep. All of those things, we talk about it, but there's no reason that we can't actually begin to embed that in practice. Mm. So. I love, oh, I love it, I love it. I, when I was going through my uh, ultrasonics journey, so uh, I went through um, learning ultrasonics um, for structural uh, testing, uh, structural testing of steel, okay? Oh, oh which is a engineering and the general engineering sees it loved it when i was going through that learning and then also as i was going through the the practical application of it i 
I remember a corridor that I had with my uncle, mm. and we talked about, and he said to me, "You know, but while you're while you're, you know, working out if that's if the structure is, uh, is the steel is, is structurally sound and the wood is structurally sound, all that sort of thing." And he was talking to me about uh, this in the practical application of the beams within a building, mm. just wooden beams within the building. He said, "What's the fucker, Papa?" Mm. Of that beam, mm. and that that took me on a whole. I was like, "What? What are you talking about, fucker, Papa?" And then he said, "Where do you think that beam comes from?" Especially in wood uh, testing. Mm. Um, and so we went on a hikoi to the forest. Mm. <laughs> we went, to, went to the forest, and we, he talked about um, the the the, the fucker, Papa of wood and the fucker, Papa of the trees, and our relation to those trees and the whenua mm. and um, how some wood depending on what we do with it won't stand as strong mm. and is um, for, for years and the reasons why mm. and, it, and it gave me a whole new yeah, far out. thought process in regards to the structural testing using, utilizing ultrasonics yeah, yeah. it was just like no what about the fuck up of the wood so when you're talking there it just it took me back to that moment um, in time where I had that realization that yeah. this is amazing and and why we don't talk about this um, in the engineering world enough mm. um, or bring or bring that knowledge in I, in the same way that we're bringing in the knowledge from you know some of the amazing Scottish engineers from I, the 1600s hard, yeah. why aren't we bringing other stuff that we yeah. know and like in Samoa my mum said after the tsunami mm. oral history t- tradition when the sea disappears over the horizon you go upland. There's no kind of logical reason for that, but mm. they knew because yep. previous tsunamis, they knew that when the ocean goes out, when it comes back, it's going to waste when yep. it comes back in. Hard out. And that's, I mean, there's a scientific, we could explain that using traditional science yep. um, language, mm. but actually the knowledge and the lesson is the same. Why don't we bring that stuff in? It's, you know, it's the same for sustainability too. I remember auntie taking us mm-hmm. around and this was up north. And she was talking, and I said, oh, what, which is the best uh, leaf to eat? Uh, the kawakawa leaf? Mm. Well, which, and I was going to pick this flash-ass <laughs> kawakawa leaf um, for dad poultice for his legs. Um, and she said, no, bub, you, you picked that one. I said, but it's all eaten up. And she said, you know why? Because the, the insects eat it mm. because it's the most, uh, it, it's ready, it's, it's the most ripe, it's, it's, it's the best, it's the... I'm trying to. Yeah. It, this is the leaf that you should. <laughs> you the should. one with all the good shit in it. Yeah, yeah. there's all the good shit in it. That's I, that's I like what I was trying like to say. Too. I was trying to find the language. Should have just used shit. Way better word. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, there's all these lessons, and I think, and and when you go through those lessons, as as opposed to my classroom lessons, yeah, you know, I remember doing a couple of um, industry trade uh, engineering trade sector papers at the. Advanced ETA, the Advanced Technology Training Freaking Centre over in Melbourne. And that was great. Amazing amount of learning done there, fantastic. But when you're doing those those auntie and uncle, when you're doing that whānau mm. learning, um, that one lesson has like 5,000 different bits of knowledge parts to the one lesson. Mm. Do you know mm. what I mean? Mm. Like, pick this because the insects are not... Oh, insects, yeah, natural, nature. Nature knows which way to go. That sort of thing. There's, there's so many different mm. things. You know, be grateful. Say thank you to the plant, da-da-da-da-da, for providing you with the most choicest um, kawakawa leaves. Mm. You know, that sort of thing. You know, that gratefulness. There's so many different layers mm. in, the, in those knowledge lessons. Mm. And that gratitude towards, you know, the things that you are receiving... Um, reminds you that it is a gift and it's also not an unlimited gift and oh. so you are you are careful and you are respectful when you're yeah. taking oh. if that's not sustainability oh, I don't know what else they recognize yeah. a finite material and yeah yeah, yeah and just yeah. yeah so I don't know I think um, I, I certainly I think that. there's room to capture some of those things in the way mm. that we learn now mm. and even the way that we practice as engineers mm. yeah absolutely yeah mm. yeah <laughs> I love that the fucker papa of that beam. The fucker papa. You need to write an engineering article or something on that. That is cool. I think now though, as I'm guest lecturing on some of the MBA papers, Mm. I noticed last year that my corridor had changed when I'm delivering the lectures. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like the stories that I'm telling were those stories. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't like, and this is the theory, the dominant contemporary model of friggin' governance. You know, it was. (laughs) Um, how we're communicating with people is also we're communicating our culture 
when we're telling those stories, mm. you know. Mm. Some of it were only meant for us and some were meant to be communicated to others as well. Mm. And, you know, it's just having the all with the whanau on which stories are, which, mm. what can be shared. But mm. I'm just saying, you know, the way that we communicate and share our culture is so important. It's mm. not just in the fluffy, you know, oh, let's do a mihi whakatau. Mm-hmm. You know, karakia, mihi whakatau, then we're going to do this, we'll do the waiata, we'll do puria nei, we'll do that. You know, Māori is not, the culture is not just about the fluffy. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, sometimes that's what that's what other groups are looking for. Yeah. Often, because that's what I can see, that's what they can see on the, yeah. the timetable waiata. Yeah. Like, they can see that's when we're doing that time. It's not really interwoven a lot, I yeah. don't think. It's, yeah. it's, for me, I see it in undergrade say we'll have a lecture on Tatiriti Waitangi within that and that's fantastic and that's amazing but then that's the last time we'll ever talk about it. Uh, yes. So, it's not lived. Mm. Yeah. 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 This yeah. is your body of learning. Don't live it though. Aye. Just learn it so you know what's up. Yep. Just tick that box. Tick that box. <laughs> yep. 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 Oh, we did the treaty okay. in that in, in lesson one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I know. But um, yeah I think it's um I think it's exciting, especially for um, you know your generation and mm. like my kids' generation coming through. I think it offers them a way to see themselves making a contribution in a way that I could never um, have thought of. And when I did my PhD, I, I learned very much around how some of the concepts that we still talk about, well, not some, all of the concepts that we still talk about in engineering are very much, because of the empirical tradition, they're taken from the research that was done predominantly in Europe, mm. which is fine. But it doesn't mean that there's not room for us to add more on, which is um, kind of what I do in the back end of my thesis. I say, well, look, this is how Westerners, you know, the Western tradition has defined relationships in construction. What if we took an Indigenous view? What does that look like? Oh, actually, actually, the Indigenous view offers quite a different perspective and a far more holistic perspective. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you open up a whole new discussion and a whole new line of debate and consideration. And I definitely think that engineering and tech and IT is ripe for that yeah. with you guys and what you're doing. Ah, yeah. So it's got the capability of it. And yeah, and it's the classic Ficado on if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you always get. Yeah. And I feel as though there hasn't been that um, kind of intention in the past. Just this is from my like very limited view of seeing it. Um, but yeah, I definitely think it's we've stepped, we've walked the same walk for a, a fat while now. Now <laughs> it's time to do something a little bit, yeah, a little bit different. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm excited as well. Yeah, as well. I mean, because who's it for? Who's science for? Who's tech mm, for? Yeah, it's for people. Yeah. yeah, it's it's not just for some people. It's actually for it's yeah. for you. It's for me. It's for mm. my kids and mm. my nephews. And yeah, it's for fun though. It's yeah. fun. It's for the us. Yeah. yeah, and so it needs to be fit for purpose for people. Mm. Um, not just some people and to be fit for purpose it needs to be defined by mm. all people mm. which sounds easy to say mm. <laughs> <laughs> and is hard to do but the way to do it is to have more people of different backgrounds and different cultural perspectives coming into that early stage to define what it is and say yep. actually what about this actually what about that mm. and it's for people who were sitting around the table already mm. to recognise it to be aware of it and to open the door mm. and that's the biggest thing we, we can talk about all the doors that will open but there are there are some that have been there for a while um, open the door um, and and welcome or get out the way mm. and I'm really <laughs> I'm, I'm really I've, I'm <laughs> nah frick it I'm, I'm I just want to be really clear on that now maybe this next phase is not for you mm. Mm. and and that's kate pie you mm. have you you have taken taken um taken us a certain to a certain distance to a certain place but maybe this phase is not for you so mm. get out the way and i i'm i think that's important that we we say that mm. or komatua move aside and do the komatua thing where 
you know, um, maybe you're not doing the mahi, maybe you're not around those tables um, making that, that those decisions at that specific level. I'm talking about governance. Because mm. um, then I'm thinking about my komatsu on the, on the marae going, what are you talking about, girl? <laughs> Don't you tell me to get out the way, we're going to have a problem. Um, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> maybe those people in leadership who have been mm. there for a while um, move aside and look at the advisory space. And there's lots of um, senior mentors and advisors that are need needed uh, at that level, mm. absolutely. And let these ones coming through practice, because mm. the only way they're going to know is the practice. Um, are we getting the roles? No. Are we getting the roles that we need to get? I think Cena has just done amazing. You know, I'm just seeing your praises. Uh, by by getting the appointment on the infrastructure commission see oh, i just think that is freaking awesome um um but do we need to be moving into more of those spaces and more of us there absolutely mm. i don't know why i went there but um, it's important but that, thank you that we went there. you're amazing <laughs> i just think you're a brilliant voice mm, don't know about that mm. um both amazing yeah it's and just, you're amazing that's yeah. what you're doing is oh. choice because you're listening to people's access. stories and creating an atmosphere where we can just be ourselves, our authentic selves. I think that's oh, what, wow. one of the really cool things. Like, if you look down all the people that you've had on your podcast already, mm. they're like amazing people. And it's really cool that there's yeah. so many people yeah. already mm. doing cool stuff. Totally. Yeah. I got asked to do a thing at uni the other day, and it's on a day when I can't make it. And I said, you know, look, I'm so sorry I can't, but here's, here's a bunch of people who could. And it's really amazing to be able to, to know and be able to name so many people, mm. you know, Māori or Pacifica or both, who are out there doing cool stuff. Like, it's it's pretty cool. Mm. And it wasn't like that 20 years ago, I don't think. Oh, no. Mm. Yeah, it's very cool. It makes it feel less isolating and it makes, um, for me, I'm less, I'm not scared, I'm, I don't know, I'm more comfortable stepping into the space mm, than I probably would have been um, without recognising or knowing you both and other people as well that I've interviewed and met along the way and yeah mm. just yeah now I'm singing your praises so. <laughs> <laughs> this is just a love fest yeah, <laughs> this is a probably going ah but you know when we're in those spaces and when there's more of us in those spaces who hold similar different views mm. that's when we can start making some cool change you know, like I had it was moaning to you before we started talking <laughs> about the university regulations, and I had an element of that when setting up a scholarship at UC, where the default is to look to grades, right? Because it makes for easy comparisons. So you know, you get three applications, easy. Let's look at their academic transcript. Whoever's got the highest grade point average gets a scholarship. Yep. Mm. And I was adamant that I didn't want to do that. And I know that the way that I've done it is much more difficult and it's much more subjective, but because we do it in a consensus-based way, mm -hmm. it's okay. But that's the kind of discomfort we're going to have to you know, move through and challenge to change the way that things have been done to date. Mm. You know? But to me, it was a no-brainer because we know that GPA-based scholarship awards you know, dis disadvantages Māori and Pacifica and disadvantaged um, students. Why would I, someone like me choose to uphold that? Mm. makes no sense mm. so yeah the way that the solution to, to that that I found is more difficult it's harder it's not straightforward but it's still better than oh. the alternative you know what I mean mm. and tacking on to that um, so the Cotter Tate Scholarship was at the third year engineering students yes yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. and so Luke August was a recipient um, I believe is that yeah that's so right yeah, yeah cool um, and yeah so it's just I think the power and he spoke on um, the mentoring value within that and how important that is for him going forward and taking whatever the mm. he's taking. Um, he's so. going great places. Yeah. They all are. Five of them got mm. it last year, and they're just like, yeah, astonishing. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's just awesome, just amazing, mm. amazing students, all of them. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so I just think it's awesome what you're doing. So I know I'm recognizing time, but I also like you creating that scholarship and forming that. What was um, yeah? Would you like to talk a bit? A little bit about that. I just did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was, you know, I went through uni, and look, don't get me wrong, I came out with like a third class honours degree. I was, you know, I was struggling, and then I made it harder by having a baby halfway through, mm. and my husband was also my classmate, so you know, made it harder for both of us. Mm. Um, 
and I found I actually found it a really isolating experience obviously apart from John um, being at uni in the first place it never felt like somewhere that I belonged yeah um, and not just because because the way I looked but I guess the backgrounds that a lot of my fellow classmates came from mm-hmm. and you've been to engineering school you, you know what I mean <laughs> disproportionately from high private decile schools and, and that wasn't a background that I was coming off um, and so uh, no I never got any scholarships when I was at uni um, and to be honest would not have been anywhere near qualifying for them and so I thought when it sort of came time I was like alright t- t- time for me to, um, to go back and see if I can help you know other people um, and thought about you know what a good scholarship would have looked like to someone like me and it would have been one that talked about ambition and your your desire to change the world or to make make a difference in the world and that's basically all it is and it took a bit of negotiation with UC Mm -hmm. over the regulations because they have a pretty fixed kind of idea around um, academic rigor so passing became like the threshold and after that it was just tell me about what you want to do to make a difference in the world Mm -hmm. but yeah what I hadn't realized is how difficult it is when you get Lots of people oh. <laughs> telling you about their dreams and hopes to make a difference in the world and how difficult it is to choose. But mm. that's again, that's where the power of the collective comes in because I wasn't alone. Mm. I had the ABC Māori Pacific um, Diversity with me mm-hmm. and um, a representative um, from the Māori Department and a representative from the Pacifica Department. And together, mm-hmm. I brought in some kai, morning tea. <laughs> we all sat down with a cup of tea and we looked at them and, and together we made a decision. And that's so much, that's so much a part of it as well. You know, mm. looking to share the burden and share the load and share the opportunity with other people too. Mm. And then, um, uh, I guess for me, the value, one of the really big things that I can see benefiting people, they benefited other people at uni, not me, was that social equity mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. And like, I'm lucky enough to know people like Ellie, um, some of the other directors and engineering um, leaders, you know, that, that I've established a connection with, um, have been incredibly generous with their time. Like Craig Price at Becker, mm-hmm. um, is, is one of those incredibly generous people. And to me, like the best thing that I can do is actually sort of connect some of those people together and help help pass on the context and the social equity that, that I have mm. onto other people who might not have had it. Mm. So. Yeah, that's kind of a long answer to your question. Yeah, awesome. You're going to need to Same edit that right yeah. back, sorry. <laughs> no, but that, no, that's all relative because that's that's a massive part of what we do is because we come from that understanding, that collective kaupapa understanding, mm. that weaving of mm. our of where we've been, our networks through, mm. and that social equity weaving is a massive part of what we do. Mm. And we don't talk about it enough, I mm. think. So it's awesome to give it that time, mm. yeah, and platform it. Love it, love it. See, mm. amazing. Love all this, yeah. Theme, theme, collective leadership, collective success. Yeah, <laughs> all of that. Hard <laughs> out, hard out. That's beautiful. Yeah. Well, I've got a thing at the bottom of my email signature that says, it "If, if I mean, I think it's a proverb in many cultures. Yeah. It's definitely, definitely got a Samoan one. It's like, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what it is, right? It's not necessarily one or the other all the time. It's picking the right." the right mode mm. you know, and, the, the right and approach. I agree and, and the other thing is knowing as as leaders when to stand in the front when to stand beside and mm. when to get to the back mm. and um, there's a, that's a, there's a, that's another whakatauki that that that, that um, actually all of our it's in all of our cultures you know that that is not we're not any one thing all the time that we we have to understand mm. and read and read the situation, understand where we where we need to be, and I think that's really exciting. That's also part of true collective leadership. Mm. Yeah, this is definitely a collective leadership corridor. I think. That's a summary. Yeah, yeah. Hard, 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 hard. For the yeah. title. There you go. That's the title. Yeah. <laughs> 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 the title would be performance. So there we go. Well, we're stronger together, aren't we? Yeah. At the end of the day, mm. always we really are. Yeah, and you're right. It's that navigation piece as well that um, that is so such an important part of it too. Yeah. Mm. Kapai, beautiful. I know. Awesome. You guys are fantastic. Just shout outs yeah. to people like oh, yeah. shout out to you, yeah. Elise, and this oh, amazing podcast. Yeah. yeah. Congratulations oh. on graduating. Yes. Oh, Blues oh, award oh, and yeah. oh my goodness, it's Very so exciting. cool. It's really it's it's really awesome. It's really well deserved. Yeah. Um, well done. 
Uh, shout out to Troy. For mm, Troy, sup, bro. stuff that he's doing. <laughs> Just an inspiration. Um, and yeah, I love know. our Troy. It's amazing. Mm. Yeah. I know. There's so many people doing cool things, eh? I think so too. Shout out to um, all the engineering whanau, actually. Just um, and, and realize that there's many different, you probably already know this, but there's many different. Um, elements and facets and spaces in engineering mm. Um, mm. you know um, design thinking is also part of engineering as yeah, you yeah, all yeah. know anyways um, <laughs> and that comes from different sectors so one thing I do want to say work with the other sectors openly and freely oh yeah because mm. you can all benefit from each other's knowledge it's also part of the collective kaupapa is, um, is, is opening the doors to work with others uh, and I think in the infrastructure sector, we like to say that we are all working with each other, but Kauri, we <laughs> there's still that protection of this is my space, get out of here. Yeah. The knowledge is held with me and me alone. <laughs> nah, dude, you know, um, we have so many challenges in the infrastructure sector uh, that I think it's...